today we celebrate, praise the Lord. As I was listening to a quill sing, it dawned on me, represented on the stage, had a drummer from Brazil, had um, Joel, uh, Indian descent, and Serena from Chinese descent, and a quill from Azerbaijan. So, so much, praise the Lord for so much. And the reason Terry and I were laughing, as I said, and we had an American up there too, so we, uh, <laughs> we were all well represented with a very multi-generational, multicultural church, kind of like heaven, right? Multicultural. And so we praise the Lord for that. Thank you, uh, orchestra. Thank you, Aquil. Uh, thank you, Corey, for leading us uh, this morning. And thank you, Shalene, for following the Lord in Believer's Baptism. What an example to us. You're 12 years of age, and you've given us uh, a beautiful sermon today. In fact, today, as you notice, the tables are set. Uh, we are getting ready. Now we're going to prepare our hearts for a time of observing uh, the Lord's Supper. Some call it Eucharist. Some call it communion. Uh, we call it the Lord's Supper. It's a time for us to celebrate, but it's also a time for us to examine, to examine our relationship with the Lord. So we just welcome you today. We're so glad that you're here to come worship God at Great Hills Baptist Church. I've been uh, blessed to be away for a few weeks, some time of, of refreshment and relaxation. I'm still, I don't know if it's an early season of allergies or whatever it is, but we're still battling that and getting completely well. But I'm just so delighted to be able to come and worship the Lord with you over the last three weeks. Uh, we have been worshiping with you online. And so thank you to all of our media guys, our technical guys that make that a possibility. And many of you are worshiping with us like I have been the last three weeks whether it's Facebook Live or Twitter or YouTube channel, and we are, we're delighted to have you join in. In fact, last Sunday, Bryant, our middle uh, child, he's the junior high pastor at uh, Prestonwood Baptist Church, and that's where we were. And, and at the, about the time he was teaching the students is the Great Hills Baptist Church worship service began. And I knew what y'all were in for. I knew the cardboard testimonies were coming. I knew Daniel was going to preach a great message. And I knew there would be people sharing their testimony. And so I had a decision to make. Was I going to listen to my son speak or was I going to worship with Great Hill? So I tried to multitask. You know, that is really a misnomer. There's no, there, you don't really multitask. You just can do one thing at a time. So I was listening to you guys and watching Brian, finally I just realized, you know what, I can listen to Great Hills later, I better focus on my son. So I did, and I think that was the right decision. He preached a great sermon, and then Monday, I was able just to enjoy the whole service, and what a great day uh, that was. We praise God for what He's doing in our church, for the testimonies, for the changed lives, for the marriages that are being saved, for the addictions that are being overcome, and for the discipleship that is happening, we are grateful to God. So I invite you to turn with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll read verses 23 through 28. The title of our message really reflects the desire of my heart, the intention, really the thesis of the sermon today, and it's these two words, word about celebration and then a word about examination. And I hope that's what we'll do today, both celebrate and then also uh, reflect or have a time of introspection or a time of examining our hearts. And that's precisely what this text, this biblical text will lead us to do. We're familiar with the scene. Next week, we'll pick back up in the book of Acts. We'll start in Acts chapter 6. But today, we're focusing all of our time and our effort, our, uh, our energy and our worship upon the greatest act 
and known to mankind when Jesus Christ laid down His life for the sins of the world. And what was leading up to that, in the Gospels we read about His passion, we read about His arrest, uh, His trial, we read about the beatings and the crucifixion. And so that, that very night that Jesus would die for our sins, the Apostle Paul chimes in and he says, I received this from the Lord. And what I received from Him, I'm going to reiterate. I'm going to share with you what the gospel writers already have shared. On that night that He was betrayed, Jesus took the bread. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians it's chapter 11, uh, verses 23 uh, through 28. And it should be on the screen there for you to, uh, to look with us. So here we go, verse 23. For I received from the Lord, Paul says, that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, eucharisteo is the Greek word there. It's where we get our English word eucharist. And when Jesus had given thanks, he broke it, he broke the bread, and he said, take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this. This is a present active imperative. It's a commandment. He'll say it twice. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So all of these words that we've been looking at thus far, words of celebration, Words of remembrance, words of appreciation to Jesus for what He has done for us. But notice the, the verse 26 and verse 27, something of the transition in verse 28 when it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you katangelo, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Therefore, here comes the examination. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty. He or she will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Therefore, let a man, doximato, let him examine himself. It's another present imperative verb. Examine, scrutinize, study yourself. And so let us then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So, Father, we do come before you with great praise on our lips, but also... Lord, great meditation and contemplation. Lord, we ruminate, we think back on what you have done. And, and Lord, it causes these emotions of celebration and euphoria, a sense, Lord, of joy and appreciation, God, that you would love us so much that you would die for our sins. And then, Lord, it causes us, it causes us to think deeply, to examine our own hearts, to see where we are in our relationship with you. And so, Lord, we want to do both today, and we pray that by your Spirit, you would inspire us, God. You would motivate us, teach us. Holy Spirit, be our God, be our paraclete, the one who comes alongside of us and reveals Christ to us in such a, a wonderful way, such a spectacular way that, God, all of our hearts are drawn deeper into a relationship with you. And, Lord, when we leave today, we will have said, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord, and our lives have been changed, our faith has been enriched and emboldened. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a song I've been thinking about this week, and I keep rehearsing the, the line. It's, oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. And I think about those words, and I think about our text, and the great gulf, the chasm, the span, the expanse that God 
that he reconciled, that God in Christ, that Jesus Christ came from heaven, he lived this perfect life, he, he healed many, he, he saved all who believed, he raised people from the dead, and then in that preeminent act of sacrificial love, he dies on the cross, he rises from the dead, and now all from all time and now for the rest of the life here on this earth, anybody who believes in him and trusts in him can be saved, can have a relationship with God. And all of this kind of comes back to our text. On that night when Jesus Christ, oh, what a mighty gulf did God did span uh, at Calvary. And so today we will celebrate. We're going to celebrate in a moment. We're going to take a piece of bread. We're going to take some juice. And these are very tangible elements. And we will eat one and we will drink the other and it will cause us to to ruminate, to think deeply and to appreciate even more what God has done. You know, it's, it's such a beautiful thing whenever we can observe both ordinances in one uh, service. And that's what we've done today. We've observed baptism. And baptism, as you know, is an outward demonstration of an inward transformation, which is manifest or made tangible by H2O, by water, right? Nothing sacred. There's nothing holy about that water. It's, it's just water, but it's more than just water because of what it represents. It represents that we, through Christ, our sins have been forgiven. We've been washed and we are made new and we are brand new people. And all the things that we have done and all the things that we say, God, please forgive us. God says, I forgive you in my son through Jesus Christ. All your sins are forgiven and we rejoice. And then we come to the table and there we have the bread and there we have the juice, another tangible physical token. And, and I just love these times. I know our faith is very unseen. I know Jesus in our hearts, we cannot see that. But we can see the bread and we can see the water. We can see the juice. And these tangible tokens make us, it's just almost like you just reach out and touch it. And that's why it's such a sacred moment for us here at Great Hills Baptist Church. And I'm just so blessed and honored that we get to do both at the, same, at the same time. So as we look through verses 23 uh, through 26, let's just think about on these words for a moment, the words of celebration. Paul says, I received this firsthand. And many people, they, they ask, well, how did Paul receive what he said here? I received this from the Lord. You know, Paul lived many years after Christ and he was saved in Acts chapter 9 on the road uh, to Damascus. And so, how could he have received this from the Lord if he wasn't one of the original 12 disciples? He wasn't one of those that walked with Christ on the Sea of Galilee and there in Jerusalem. How did he receive this? Well, there's a couple of answers. One, he could have supernaturally received this from the Lord, the same Jesus that appeared to him on the Damascus Road could have appeared to him. We just don't have it recorded. But Paul says, I received this from the Lord, the teaching of the Lord himself on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, he took the wine and he broke it and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Other people say, well, Paul, when he was in Arabia, when he had accepted Christ, he spent his three years in seminary, if you will, in Galatians chapter one, he could have received it then or he could have received it through the teachings of the apostles as Jesus gave it to the apostles and gave it to Paul. He says, I've received this from the Lord. I've not concocted this. It's not some fable. This is not something that I've dreamed up to share with you. No, you're familiar with this. And I just want to remind you, church at Corinth, 
that Jesus Christ died for our sins and arose from the dead. And we're here today to celebrate this fact. And you remember what's going on in Corinth? It's a very troubled church. There's lots of schism. There's lots of division. In fact, in in the context of our text, verses 20 through 22, when you read it, it's, it's, I'm laughing, it's not really funny. The, the people were coming to the Lord's Supper and they were coming hungry. And so some people were elbowing their way to the front of the table. What they would have at this time would be what they call agape feasts. They would have love feasts. They would actually uh, eat a meal together. And then part of that meal, they would stop. And remember now, this is not uh, 2019, this is A.D. 33, you know, and this is, uh, or A.D. 50s when the, the book of Corinthians was written. They were probably in a small room, maybe in someone's living room, someone's home, and they come together as a church and they eat the meal, but some came drunk. Some had drunk too much wine and they were inebriated and others came hungry and they were rooting people out. And Paul's going, come on, people, <laughs> that's not why we're here. We are here not to be gluttons, and we're not here to be drunkards. We are here for a much sacred, more sacred reason. We're here to observe the body of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And so Paul here is saying, okay, let's get this right. This is such a sacred moment for us, this ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And so he says, I have received this from the Lord. And then he says, and when Jesus had given thanks, he broke it. Now, how many times have we read that? And, and I, I read this again, it's almost like for the first time, and, and I was just so enamored and in awe of the fact that right before Jesus died, he had the wherewithal to give thanks to God the Father. Is that, does that grip your soul a little bit today? Does that, not, does that not cause you to just be more impressed with Jesus on the night that he's betrayed the very eve, on the very precipice of him going to the Garden of Gethsemane, and to him crying and, and, and sweating, you know, like dr blood drops from his face. And he is, he knows this one moment he will be separated from the Father and, and he's in agony and his soul and Jesus knows, he knows what's about to happen. And yet he has the wherewithal to say, Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for the sacred moment. We thank you for this bread that we're about to eat. We thank you for this wine that we're about to drink. And Lord, we, we remember this time and so we, we celebrate. And so Jesus here has given us this great template. He's given us this great model whereby we too can give thanks. We can, we can praise God even in the midst and the crucible of pain and suffering and difficulty knowing, watch this, that after the crucifixion, there's always a resurrection. That after the hard times, after the night of gloom, there's the breaking of the dawn. After a season in the valley, there's always a lifting up to the mountain. And Jesus knows this. And so he says, we will give thanks. And then in verse 24, he says, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken. And this little prepositional phrase says, for you. Look at that again with me, church. For us, a broken body, bleeding veins, and he says, I'm doing this for you, so from now on, remember me. As you eat this bread in a moment, as you drink this juice, this wine, just think, think about the significance, the solemn significance, the weightiness that is happening here, that we are remembering Christ and we are celebrating, and in the same moment, we are, we, our, our hearts are just leaping with joy, but in the same moment, there's a time of of just real reverence and, and contemplation that he's doing this uh, for, for us. 
You know, whenever we see sacrifice fleshed out like this, it always, it always moves us. It always, it always motivates us to, to a deeper level. I, I'm reminded of my friend. He's, um, he and I graduated from high school together many years ago. Joey, uh, Joey Pearson has been keeping us uh, up to date. He, he's about my age. Well, he is my age. He graduated the same class of 1982. I know students, that feels like 100 years ago, and many of you were not born, but 1982, we played football together, and his family was very active there in the community, and, and he sent out a prayer, and he said, please pray for my children. Uh, my daughter, Abby, has a liver disease, and my son, Nathan, is a perfect match and so they are going in this major hospital, this major surgery, and, and Nathan is given a part of his liver so that he could sacrifice and, and help his daughter, Abby, live. So people all over the nation, literally people all over the world, we have been praying and we have been anticipating what would happen. And, and great news to report, it, it turned out great. In fact, they're, they're doing well. And, and I just think about Nathan and I think about what an act of love. I mean, what... What a beautiful thing to do to say, I love you so much that I will give my body, I will give a part of my body so that you might live. And of course, that reminds us of Christ. That's precisely what he did. And look at this. He says he does it for us. So now in verse 25, we take the cup in the, of the new covenant in his blood, and this we do. The same thing, the same word we remember as we drink it in remembrance of Christ. A present active imperative. Two times he says, this do or do this in remembrance of me. And then in verse 26 he says, for as often as you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim. Did you know today that uh, Shalene Amal and Danny Forshee, the pastor here at Great Hills Baptist Church, and you are all about to become preachers of the gospel. He says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you kata angelo. Now the root word there, we translate this word proclaim, but the root word is angelos. It's where we get the English word, anybody take a guess? Angel. You say, pastor, are you calling me an angel this morning? I mean, that just feels mighty, mighty wonderful. Well, in a way we are, we are angelic. We are messengers of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You say, well, how do I do this? Do I come up on the stage? Do I get behind the podium? Or do I get in the water like she did? Nope. When you take that bread and when you take that juice and when you eat one and drink the other one, you're telling the world, you're saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. He died for me. He arose from the dead for me. And I proclaim it. I proclaim it proudly and boldly, unashamedly, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. You say, wow, I get to do that. Yes, you do. You and I get to do that in just a few minutes. That's why there's a, there's a sense of celebration. There's a sense of anticipation. It's not just reflection and looking back, but it's looking forward and it's looking within. So he says this, you proclaim. You say, what am I proclaiming? You're proclaiming your belief in him, but watch this. He says, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until what? Until he comes. Wow. What does that mean? Well, you can't come back unless you're alive, right? <laughs> he says, well, when you eat this bread and you drink this, you not only say that you affirm and you believe in the vicarious substitutionary death of the Son of God, but watch this. You're also saying when you eat this that you believe that he bodily 
viscerally, physically arose from the dead and glory to God, one great day, he's coming back. And when we eat the bread and drink the juice, we all become messengers, we all become preachers, we all become proclaimers, and we say, I believe it all. The death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, and the soon return of the Savior. Well, what a joy. I mean, that's a blessing. We, we get to do this. We get to participate in this. Hallelujah. He had repeatedly told his disciples that this was going to happen. And they were like, there's like a cloud. They couldn't understand it. But now when Paul writes this in the 50s, as they look back, they go, wow. This is precisely Jesus said early on that he, the Son of Man has come to die. And now we have witnessed the passion of Christ and the death, burial, and resurrection. And, and he's coming again. And we as the church through all the generations... We gather together around the table. We look at a, a, a body of water, a pool of water, and we see these two ordinances, and there's just something. I'm not going to use the word magical because I don't want to give this esoteric, you know, kind of fable or myth. I want to use the word majestic. There's something majestic about what we're doing today. It is a holy time. It's an awesome time, a solemn, a solemn time. So the next word is the word examination. We've looked at celebration and, yes, even contemplation, rumination. But let's look at the words in verses 27 and 28, and then we'll come to the table. He, Paul gives this lesson to us. He says, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way. And what does that mean? To drink and to eat in an unworthy manner. We will be guilty of the body in the blood of the Lord. I think this is a, a very large encompassing statement here. If we come to the, to the table in a spirit, let's say, of irreverence, if we come to the table and we've never really committed or surrendered our life to the Lord, then we're mocking the Lord. We're eating the bread or we're drinking the juice. We're just kind of going through the motions. It doesn't really mean anything to us because we've never been born again. We've We've never really confessed our sins and surrendered our all to Jesus Christ. And so I invite you to not partake of the elements today. I would not partake. If you know within your heart of hearts that you are not a follower of Jesus, that you may respect him, you may even believe in him, but you have not surrendered your life to him, you could not call yourself a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, that the best thing you can do today is take that bread and take that uh, juice and just pass it on to the next person. Because we are not here today to take it flippantly, to take it lightly, to say, oh yeah, we're just kind of going through the motions. The second way that we can take, I think, the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner is for us to know the Lord, but our hearts not really be in it, you know? For our hearts not to be into what we're about to do. I know that, and, and that's one of the reasons why we don't do it every Sunday. I know some churches do this every Sunday. Some do it maybe every other Sunday. But we, we really try to do it quarterly. And when we do it, we really try to maximize it. If, I don't know if you've noticed this, but from the beginning of the orchestra, orchestral piece to the baptism, to the songs that we sang, to the very text that I chose, to the message I'm preaching, it all is focusing on this moment. It's really going to time a time of climax where it's the pinnacle of the service when you... When you and I take the bread and we, we take this juice, 
and we drink and we eat, we come to the Lord, not in an unworthy way, but we want to come in an introspective way, in an examining way. Doximato. That's such a fascinating word in verse 28. D-O-X-I-M-A-T-O, if you're trying to get the English version of it. You know what this word means? It means that you are to examine yourself much like a jeweler would take a precious metal and he would, he would inspect it so diligently, he would take that, let's say it's gold or silver or ruby or some kind of precious metal or stone, and he would, he would examine it for impurities. He would, he would examine it to make sure it is of the highest quality. He would examine it or she would examine it to make sure that it was not a, a pseudo stone or a, or a fake piece of metal, but it was a very genuine, purified, the real thing. And that's the word Paul uses. He says, that's what I want you to do. I want you to come, when you come to Jesus who gave his oil on the cross, that you would examine your heart and make sure that you're not a, a pseudo, a fake, a cheap impression or an imitation, but that you are the real thing and that you are really believing in Christ and you really love him and you want to surrender your all to him today. Paul says, so let us examine ourselves. A time of introspection, a time of, of really thinking deeply about Christ, who he is, and who we are in him. That's what he said. Let a man examine himself, and then let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Now, both of these are vitally important. But if we only celebrate and we don't examine, then we just start like, whoo, this is great. I'm happy, and this is fun. Yay, thank you, Lord. Hey, thank you, Lord. That is awesome. Let's go eat, all right? Let's go out. Let's go watch the Cowboys. Yay, let's go. Maybe this year, my, my land. Maybe this year. That was a lot of fun in church. Yeah. And we don't want to do that. But if we only examine and not celebrate, then we just get real serious, right? Just real solemn and real introspection and, and real monastic, you know, and just real serious about it. And really, we're here to do both. We're here to say, thank you, Lord. Woohoo! We do celebrate. Thank you, God. We love you so much. And, and oh, wow, this is serious. We do need to examine. We do need this time of conviction, this time of proclamation of the Word. Oh, Great Hills Baptist Church, I love our church for a lot of reasons, but maybe this is the one that, that, that just rises really to the top, that at Great Hills Baptist Church, we really, really try. We try to celebrate, and we, and we, and we try to fellowship, and we, and we try to enjoy times together. I was, um, I was just reminded of this yesterday on social media, just, just watching some of the events of some of the, of the people in our church as they're out just fellowshipping and having a great time, and that is so important. And so is the serious part, you know, the introspection part. In fact, I, I was reading with fascination. There's a new church in Los Angeles and the name of the church is the Church of Kanye West. No, it's, I'm serious. It's a, it's a new church. And it's growing. And um, they've had people visit the church, people that you may have heard, names like Katy Perry. Anybody heard the name of Katy Perry? Uh, Orlando Bloom. But boy, when this one guy visited last week, man, it made the news. I mean, literally, publications, stories, on the major media networks because Brad Pitt himself went to church. And that was a big deal. And so people were are visiting the church saying, what kind of church is this? And Kim Kardashian, uh, which is the wife of Kanye West, said, well, thank you for asking. And I want to tell you 
what kind of church we have here in Los Angeles. Are y'all ready for this? I'm going to read it to you. Quote, it's honestly more like a healing experience for my husband. It's just music. There's no sermon. There is no sermon. It's definitely something he believes in, you know, Jesus, and there's a Christian vibe. But there's no preaching. It's just a very spiritual Christian experience. Everybody that comes understands it's just that. It's really a healing experience with an amazing choir, an amazing message about love to start your week off, end of quote. And there was a part of me, y'all, I'm telling I'm not a curmudgeon, you know, just a, you know. I was like, man, this is, this is good. I mean, there's Christian vibe, there's belief in Jesus, there's good music. And then I was like, and? It's just, wait, wait, no, 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 we're, we're not going to do no preaching, you know. We're not going to get that serious stuff, you know, because that preaching, and here's what I think is happening, because that preaching and that proclamation might lead, you know, to some conviction and some introspection and some examination, and we don't want that, right? And I'm saying, oh, but you, you're coming along, just come on over to the next step, because that is, that's who we are. It's not the church of Conway West, it's the church of Jesus Christ, and we celebrate Him and we worship Him. And listen, we don't get the benefits and the blessings and the happiness and the joy of resurrection and ascension and exaltation unless first there is a vicarious substitutionary crucifixion. And when you have a crucifixion, then you have reason for rejoicing. And so we do. We celebrate. We commemorate. We are rejoicing. We are happy. But it always leads us to say, and God, how can I yield my life to you? How can I serve you better? Lord, it's, it's not that I just want to jump up and down and joy, but when my feet hit the ground, I want to walk in a way that pleases you. So that's why I'm just thrilled that we get to do this here at Great Hills Baptist Church. We get to celebrate we also get to examine. So let's do both. As we come to the table, you deacons, would y'all join me? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to serve the elements to you. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer as we prepare to take the elements? I appreciate our deacons so much, and as they make their way to make preparations, would you just join me in a time of just solemn, <laughs> solemn prayer as we prepare to take the elements? Lord, we do thank you for the mighty gulf that you did indeed span at Calvary. Thank you, Lord, that the mercy of God, the grace of God, was poured out for us in the Son of God who loved us so much that he died a very horrible death. But he died so that we might be forgiven and be saved and live a life of joy, to live a life of purpose. And Lord, when hard times come, and they do, Lord, our faith is on the solid rock. It's not just built on, it's not built on the sand. And our diet, our spiritual diet is not just ice cream and cookies as much as we like those things. But Lord, there's substance. There's meat and there's vegetables and there's, there's a balance there. So just please help us, Jesus. Help us to honor you now. Help us to have this sweet, reverent time of celebrating you and worshiping you and thanking you for what you've done. But also, Lord, for where we are, for who we are what our relationship looks like with you. So, Lord, none of us today, we, none of us want to come in an unworthy, a flippant way, but we do want to come, Lord. We want to receive you. 
We want to worship you. We want you to forgive us, please, of our sins. I'm reminded of David when he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.